Morning, church. So, uh, actually, let me. I would like to start just one of the songs that was sung. Really, I think just certainly all, all all does, of course, but certainly one particular uh, song and 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 course really, I think, fits into uh, what I've uh, had laid on my heart to share with you. I'd like just maybe to offer it as a, as a prayer for us all. So Lord, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open our eyes in wonder and show us who you are. Fill us with your heart. Lead us in your love to those that we meet around us. Amen. Amen. So we are continuing our series on discipleship and using the book of Matthew to help frame that uh, discussion. And uh, I, for hopefully good reason, but we'll find out in the next sort of 25 minutes or so, really felt led to um, change quite a lot of what I was going to bring. So more often than usual, I'll probably be actually having to look at my notes and refer to them um, a bit more. But what I particularly was uh, looking at and and had on my heart was looking at discipleship and and what that involves. But really what goes on behind that, I suppose, the, uh, the heart behind it, doing it, doing service, sacrifice for the right reasons. And as I look back at my life, a few years ago perhaps, or even very uh, very much in the present, I certainly have done things and continue to do things hand on heart, perhaps not for exactly the right reasons. A couple of examples that I'll be honest with you in. When I was a teenager, I used to help run a series of youth clubs for primary school aged children uh, that would run from sort of like late afternoon all the way to late night on a Wednesday. Now, I did that for a number of years and the main drivers for that, it it is in part to do with, you know, I I felt really energised by it. I had a good sort of passion to to, to, to be involved But I would say the biggest driver for me was the fact that the majority of the teenage girls in the church also ran that youth club as well. So that, and and so that obviously was quite motivating to me. And I, you know, that was hand on heart, was probably motivated more more by that than, than anything else. And the fact as well that we had tuck shops and we had quite little oversight. In, in, in how these sweets were put out and put back. And I would say, and I wasn't alone, I wasn't alone, a good number of us did partake in those sweets. So it was mainly driven by, in my teenage, my teenage years by girls and sweets, if I'm completely honest <laughs> with you. And, and even, even today, uh, at home, me and my wife Lisa we generally divide and conquer when it comes to bedtime. One of us goes upstairs and puts the kids down, and the other person tidies up downstairs. Now, there are many evenings when I look around and think, no, I'm not tackling that. 
I'm not tackling that. And I make sure I put my hand up very quick and make sure that, it's, I'm, that Lisa's aware I'm putting the kids down. <laughs> now, that's not driven, again, being very honest, that's not driven by an entirely uh, fatherly desire to read my kids' stories and stroke their hair and kiss them goodnight. No, it's driven because I'm looking around thinking, no, <laughs> no. Or, or, or the reverse of it, when the kids are acting like they've been eating Skittles since 6am in the morning, I don't care how messy it is. I'm going, no, I'm not doing upstairs. I'm not doing that. So even now, if I, I'm being very honest with you, there are certain things that I do really not for the right reason. And Felix last week, and this is a really sort of testament and just a demonstration of God's, God's timing and, and sort of God's plan, I believe, in this. Felix actually wasn't meant to be speaking today, as, as they said, and he, but he wasn't meant to be speaking last week either. And uh, the, the passage that he drew uh, from, Matthew 9, uh, where Felix unpacked wonderfully with the tax collectors, the sinners around Matthew's house and Jesus uh, using a, the analogy of a doctor doesn't come to heal the healthy. Felix touched upon a particular verse, uh, verse 13. And since speaking with him after, he, he, he was just uh, explained to me and said, look, I, I really felt that I needed to go deeper or wanted to unpack that particular verse 13 more. But just with time constraints, he wasn't able to. And that was the, you know, for a few weeks, there's been a particular verse that's been on my heart. Verse 13 of, of Matthew 9. So let me just read that passage Again, so Jesus uh, saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And then this is verse 13. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. So when we talk about that, when we're looking at that particular verse, the translations that you may have in front of you, that word mercy, I desire mercy, in some translations is translated to kindness or steadfast love. I desire mercy, I desire steadfast love, I desire kindness rather than sacrifice. And in the context here, sacrifice really encapsulates and captures religious acts, acts out of perhaps duty or obligation, very sort of public, even superficial demonstrations of one's, uh, uh, one's faith or one's uh, idea of, 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 of what is required or expected or needed. And Jesus here is very, very direct in the actual phrasing that he uses. He says to the Pharisees, learned men in, in many people's eyes, men that knew their scripture back to front, go and learn, go and learn what this means. That was an intentional uh, phrase, actually, in, in, in the original language, really as a, a very much a, a, a direct challenge. Go back to school, go back to basics. You need to go right back to understand and learn 
what this means. Because that phrase that Jesus uses, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, wasn't something that Jesus had, had, had sort of come up with in the moment. It comes from an Old Testament book of Hosea, where thousands of years, a few thousands of years before, Hosea is writing that and declaring that over the nation at the time of Israel as a, as a charge towards the Israelites. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. In Hosea 6, we find it, Hosea 6, verse 6, For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. In this, God is clearly saying, and this is something that then drew Jesus to bring that challenge because he did not observe it, but a real participation in this act and relationship of God, a real participation, not a superficial demonstration, which Jesus was observing. And in the previous chapter in Hosea, we, we read and we see how such sacrifices, how such burnt offerings are received from God. Hosea chapter 5, verse 6, we hear declared, when they go with their flocks and herds to seek the Lord, they will not find him. He has withdrawn himself from them. So there's something here of the sacrifice is certainly just part of it. But the active desire, active uh, participation that God desires is more important. The heart, the heart, the, the motivation behind the sacrifice. The heart that is motivating the sacrifice. The heart of love, of steadfast love, of mercy and of kindness has priority over the sacrifice. And when it is to be seen in God's eyes as this superficial demonstration out of perhaps duty or obligation or expectation or out of looking to want to be seen to be doing good or to be seen in people's eyes to, to, to be doing what is right. We read quite directly in that verse in Hosea that it's abhorrent to God. God withdraws himself from it. So I really wanted to look at today the, the heart behind the sacrifice and how that does relate to discipleship. Because this is a perennial problem. This is a problem that we see across and throughout Scripture. Paul touches upon it when he's talking in Romans of exchanging the truth for the lie, when he, Paul talks about uh, the, 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 the wise being made foolish and, and in Philippians talks about you know, everything that he gained and, and was his status and knowledge that he got growing up in the Jewish tradition and as a Pharisee is counted as loss, is counted as garbage, as rubbish compared to knowing Jesus Christ. When we read in the Old Testament, not just in Hosea, but we read in the times of David and Saul and Samuel, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22, Samuel replies to the assembled king, of Saul, uh, king Saul and the soldiers and says, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? 
To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. So there's something here that I believe is really worth just, just drawing upon. Now hear what I'm, what I'm saying. You know, sacrifice is needed, it is expected. Samuel there doesn't say sacrifice is, a, is, 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 is abhorrent to the Lord. Sacrifice is, is, nowhere, is, is nowhere close, it's not needed. No, he uses it as a comparison. He doesn't say, you know, there's no point, there's no need to be making those external sacrifices, whether that's of, of, of giving or time or service. But in comparison... What is preference, what is desired, is obedience. Is obedience. To obey is better than sacrifice. To obey in what we know of the Lord, the willful participation, in seeing his characteristics more in ourselves than in others. For us to gain a heart similar to his to be making his name known in our own world and in our workplaces. Obedience is better than sacrifice. To take heed of his promises, to take heed of his word, to take heed of who he is, is better than the fat of rams. And we can go all the way back to Genesis. Genesis chapter 4, where we see the story of Cain and Abel. That Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. And in the course of time, Cain bought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering. And Abel also bought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. And the Lord looked with favour on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favour. So what was the Lord, just a final point here, what was the Lord favouring is he simply favouring what he sees in front of him? Is he favouring that fat from the firstborn, the best that Abel had to offer, and on the other side, some fruit and veg past its best before date? Well, yes and no. But I think when we look at those other verses in, con- uh, in context to what I've just bought of Cain and Abel, God is favouring, of course, the heart behind the sacrifice. God is favouring the heart, the motivation of Abel to say, well, regardless of the cost, my best is what is needed for God. It is that heart that God is favouring. Then perhaps Cain of, well, whatever could just be done to get by, to give to God. God is favouring the heart behind the sacrifice. And so we can, and I've certainly been in, 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 in this place of a, an incorrect or a misaligned focus on what we do, on what we offer, on what we give, on how we serve, in the level of action or commitment or that, that, that I visibly display, rather than a frank and honest reflection of where is this coming from where does this come from who is it for who is it in service to why am I doing this why am I involved in this 
And in the, those accounts, and there, there are, of course, many in the Bible that touch upon this, some I've already spoken on. When we look across the history of the church, when we look across our own individual experience, it can uncomfortably highlight of sacrifice, of service coming from the wrong places, coming from the wrong area or priority. Sacrifice coming as a substitute. Sacrifice coming as a place for us to look good. Sacrificing so we just stay in our swim lane, we stay in our comfort zone. A sacrifice of giving of time, of money, of energy, of service. But at arm's length, a, a, a length that we're comfortable with, so we never truly give of ourselves. A sacrifice, a giving of, 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 of being happy to part with what we can replenish, what we can restore ourselves. Happy to part, in essence, in what we're happy to give. We can be in danger of, of thinking too much and feeling too little. I think too much and feel, feel too little. We think too much of the cost involved, of the pros and the cons. We think too much of the consequences and the, the, uh, the permutations. We can think too much of what others will think, of what the outside world will view it as, how it is looked upon. We can think surely someone else will step up and get involved. It's not my area of expertise, it's not my problem. We can all be in danger of thinking too much and feeling too little. Rather that we have a heart that breaks for what breaks the Lord. As we read in Ezekiel, for the Lord truly, substantially and powerfully to impart in us a heart of flesh and take away that heart of stone. So that we see truly in greater measure how God Z sees this world, how God sees this high street, how God sees this community, how God sees this land of broken and unguided and lost people. To see a community, a high street, a land groaning, a creation groaning for kindness and for steadfast love and for mercy. To see and to say, not someone else will step up, but if not me, then who? Motivated by mercy, steadfast love and kindness. Because where will the outpouring of that come from if not the children of God? If not brothers and sisters in Christ? If not the church? Where else will it come from? When we read in Hose, again back to Hosea chapter 4, words from over two and a half thousand years ago, but very true for today, that the Lord has a charge to bring against you who live in the land. There is no faithfulness, no love, no acknowledgement of God in the land. Where will that outpouring to make that change come from if not the church? if not the people of God with hearts aligned 
hearts motivated for sacrifice, but resting wholly in the right place. Because when we look at the most famous, arguably the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3.16, what do we read? For God out of duty gave his one and only son. For God under obligation. For God to make himself look good. For God to put the creation under his foot and in his debt. No, of course we don't. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. We see in that verse so clearly and wonderfully the heart behind the sacrifice. The greatest sacrifice that has ever and will ever be given came from a place of steadfast love. God shows us the heart behind the sacrifice. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So when we're looking and we continue to look at discipleship, are just sharing, as I've done now, that it shouldn't be viewed as more action. For us to be doing simply more in, in how we come alongside people, in how we minister to people, in, in our serving inside and outside of a church setting, in doing more of meeting need. And of course, that is all required and, of course, needed. But the focus, the important priority and focus should be as we grow in becoming more Christ-like in our own discipleship journey and making disciples, focus not on the sacrifice, on the action, but where it comes from, from what heart, from what place, why we do it. Where we're drawing from, the heart behind the sacrifice. Because that, in part, is what separates us from just being a nice group of people. It separates us from just being a nice community project or a a, a charity function. Our heart behind what we do, whether that is becoming more and more proactive and, 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 uh, and, and willing and participative in, in, in making disciples in our own discipleship journey, but also any area of serving that you currently are doing. The heart behind the sacrifice. So just three, three questions to ask yourself. When we think about this heart behind the sacrifice. Is this coming from a sustainable place? Is this coming from a sustainable place? Because this is utterly needed. Hearts that are misaligned, filled with doing this because we'll have to fill a gap or have to be uh, out of duty or how others may view, view it, the optics of it. That will only take you so far. 
It will only take you so far and it will only lead to one place of disenchantment, of burnout, of, 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 of misalignment, of, of uh, uh, grief and um, resentment. Is it coming from a sustainable place? And the only place I've found, and I know others have found, is the rock of Christ, that house to build upon the rock of Christ, the love of Father God, the strength of the Holy Spirit. There is no other sustainable source, sustainable heart for this to come from. But anything else, any other slide or major misalignment will lead to where you don't want to be in. So is this coming from a sustainable place? Is this coming from a humble place? And this is particularly relevant when we talk about making disciples, uh, being very proactive and coming alongside people, fulfilling needs. Is it coming from a humble place? Because this can happen unintentionally and it can happen without you really realising it. That you haven't done a great, you, you have gathered people but are they relying? Are they looking at the right place? You don't want to get to a point where they're relying on you. They're looking to you. Is it coming from a humble place? This is not about me. And I need to be really careful, really intentional that in all that I say and all that we do, we are signposting back to Father God, we are signposting back to Jesus Christ. We are signposting back to the Holy Spirit. It's particularly important when it comes to making disciples. It continually comes from a humble place. In the way that you see yourself. And the way that you are signposting always back to God. And lastly, is this coming from a distinctive place is this coming from a distinctive place because what this isn't when we're looking at discipleship it's not about just making good people we're not about making good people as such we're about making disciples because good people can be found at the end of a seven-day retreat on mindfulness good people can be found after reading a self-help book good people can be found in many places outside of the church. But we're talking about making disciples, followers of Christ that is not dependent on your definition of goodness and what that looks like. And so what, is, what do we mean by distinctiveness? What are the characteristics that are distinct when we are becoming more Christ-like and making disciples in our own contexts and going back to Hosea chapter 4 I think there's some not exhaustive but certainly some characteristics and areas to start with when when we read in Hosea I'll take that as a sign I'll just carry on without it Um, Hosea chapter 4 talks about there is no faithfulness no love, no acknowledgement of God in the land. Steadfast love. What is distinctive about steadfast love? Well, it's disciples, followers of Christ, 
who love out of an, a, a proactive decision and choice. A love removed from just a simple f- emotion or feeling that can sway with the wind. But when it's the last thing we want to do or feel like doing, in difficult circumstances, our steadfast love for God, for each other, and for ourselves remains. And we make, in difficult circumstances, a proactive choice to love and for love to remain where it is needed. It is a love, as Felix also brought last week, that is separate from what the world holds high or to significance. We love towards people because of the intrinsic and inherent value that God has placed in and over them. So a steadfast love for distinctiveness. Faithfulness. Faithfulness to God and to ourselves. Faithfulness in the obedience to God's will. That in good times, and especially in good times, when things are going well, we still uphold and still walk and declare God's will, God's way is better. That we are faithful to the promises that we make to him and the promises that we make to each other, that we are promise keepers. We are faithful to each other, that our yes means our yes. We commit to the things that we commit to that have been placed on our heart and we are faithful in the proddings that the Lord gives to us. We are faithful in sharing that word. We are faithful in coming alongside that person. We are people faithful to God and faithful to one another. And we are in ever-increasing circles looking for the knowledge of God to be increased and the, and the acknowledgement of God to be seen. That our knowledge of God deepens in our relationship, in our walk with him, that our character continually, continually throughout our lives is pruned and shaped by that knowledge and by that relationship. And that we seek out ways naturally and freely for God to be discussed and for God to be part of our natural day-to-day conversations. And that signs and wonders and moments of healing and miracles are not just drawn or linked to happenstance or coincidence, but in those examples and those demonstrations of God's power, God is made known and God is glorified. So I'll just invite the band to come back up for the last few moments that we have and I would just would like to pray for you but I think just in these moments what would be really useful and for us all just between you and God to have an honest and frank reflection of the heart your heart behind all that you do, the heart behind the sacrifice. Whether that's 
in the area of, yes, discipleship, of making disciples, of coming alongside people, whether it's the way that you serve in church or the way that you just serve people in the workplace and in the situations that you find yourself. What is the heart, honestly, what is the heart behind the sacrifice? Is there any misalignment? Is there any wrong prioritization? Is it coming in a sustainable and from a sustainable place? Is it coming from a humble place? Is it coming from a place of distinctiveness? Just now, just as the band plays and between you and God, just have an honest reflection of the pl- where and how and in your service, in the way that you minister and come alongside people. What is the heart behind the sacrifice? <laughs>